Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We've been finding, buying and growing income from property for over 20 years. And we talk every week about the reality of running property businesses. We'd really appreciate it if you're one of the many, many people listening who haven't yet left us a rating or review in your podcast player of choice. We always really appreciate receiving those. And this week, we are going to talk about the best property strategy to use, particularly the best property strategy to use to grow your existing property business. And I think, Stuart, you're going to sort of kick us off this week by talking through the the three sort of main categories or groupings of potential property strategies that, that's, that are out there. Yeah, we, we had a great conversation with Luke uh, last week, and Luke was a great example of someone that had scaled a property business, growing a property business from buying some buy-to-lets in Liverpool three and a half years ago to now working on a six point four million pound gross development value project and that really got Simon and myself thinking about you know what is the best strategy to use to scale. So before we get into that conversation, it's really when we talk about strategies and, and, and I'm not overly keen on the word strategy for this, but we're going to use that word. At the at the highest level, what can you do in property? So Simon and I talked about this and at the highest level you can buy and hold a property, you can buy and sell a property and also you could provide services for property businesses. And by services, we're talking about people that find land. So I know people that work in this office that find land for other people and they, they actually get planning on that land and then sell that to a developer. Uh, there are property sources. It's a very popular strategy used right now for people with uh, lower funds. So they're, they're the three groupings. And of course, the first question when we talk about buy and hold, one thing I also want to be clear on is that if you think about uh, buying and holding a property, you've got a property which is then rented, which then may be serviced accommodation, it might be buy to let, it might be HMO. For rent to rent or say lease options, we would consider that the rent to renter is just between the, the well, it's actually the superior landlord and you are the, the subleasing landlord. So that's where that sits in. And of course, that would also include commercial. So you can buy and hold commercial, you can buy and sell commercial, whether that turns into residential or not. So at the highest level, they're the groupings that we're talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's also interesting to think about how some of these can, can overlap as well. So, for example, you, you mentioned someone who who finds land as their their property business and they could do that as a a sourcer effectively but then they can also add on to that the fact they might also help work out the the planning potential or indeed the actual planning application process and seeing that through and then maybe they could develop that and become the the actual purchaser of the land and effectively be flipping but at a land level rather than at a, a sort of home level. And then you also get people who are in sort of the, the, the refurbishment market, and they, that can sort of either be in a buy and hold or a buy and sell strategy. And they, they could be taking the approach of finding those deals for other people, but then providing the, the refurbishment services as well. So it, it might be not just sourcing, but also refurbishing within that so there could be multiple 
multiple strands and and multiple elements across these these sort of overarching strategies i think it makes it very very difficult really to to actually discuss the strategy that should be used or a single property strategy because there are there are so many ways where in which they they do interact and and overlap and i think this brings us to the first point because the, the the first point that 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 we want to make is that really it's about setting the intention because what happens a lot in property and also was brought out by Luke last week and is certainly my experience is that what happens is without intention being truly set, you go from one thing to the next, which is exactly what you're talking about. Because, yeah, I might find property for a person and go, well, actually, I found the property. I'm now speaking with developers. Why don't I start doing that? Well, what, what happens if you start doing that and then you realize, oh, no, I, I absolutely hate doing that. And that's what we've talked about and shared examples of. And I think that is why the first point before we even think about because it's like any other business. And, you know, this is the business of property podcast. And the, the example I often use is that, you know, I, I spoke with a guy who wanted independence, wanted to run his own business and to, to get himself free. What he, do, he did was he purchased a coffee shop in a high street. He had um, basically it was his started working it after three months. He sat down and he was desperately unhappy and he worked out that the reason he was unhappy was because he hated early mornings. He hated getting up early because he always had to open up shop. Um, he hated working Saturdays and Sundays, which is prime time for his coffee sandwich shop. And worst of all, he realized that he absolutely hated coffee. And so he had to work with something that he didn't like every day. And that was because he hadn't. All he could think about was his independence from his day job at that time or his you know, corporate job at that time. And, and that is really why this is about, because you could do what you've just said and just say, oh, well, I can do, I'll just naturally flow into this. Um, but what but, happens if you flow into that and you don't like it? Exactly. And you, you said it's important to find what you want out of property or out of your approach, your business. And a lot of the time we will just say, well, what do I want? Um, I want money and I want to replace my salary. And that is very common objectives. But in choosing a strategy, it's important to not just think about that sort of single end monetary goal, but also what do you want in the business that you are building? Because as you say, if, you're, if you don't like getting up early in the mornings, you do not want to build a business that requires you to get up early in the morning. And in the in the property sort of area, when we were talking to, to Luke, he was talking about um, developments. And I think this was actually out, outside the, the episode recording in the end. But he was talking about a, um, a, a an old, large derelict building that they've been looking at doing a, a conversion on. And, and it, I, that's Fantastic. I, I love looking at old, interesting buildings. And it always frustrates me that there, is, there are these buildings around that are just in disuse, not, not being used at all. And I would love to work on projects that could actually bring those really interesting properties back into use. And the, the way you would do that is by creating development projects and, and working those through. And and I think that would be really, really interesting to do. But at the same time, I've got to think what would be involved in doing that. And obviously, you need quite a lot of money that you'd have to work out how, how that would work. But also, 
it would mean going on site and it would be dealing with builders and subcontractors and arranging lots of people to to work through this this process and while i don't mind working with with sort of small builders on small projects it's not my most fun thing and i think if you scaled that up to the size of a big development project i think that would probably make me pretty unhappy <laughs> so so while i would love to work on developments on interesting buildings and bringing them back into real use for people i don't think that would actually be a good business strategy for me and i think that's that's a key to working out what's the best well it's really interesting i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole straight away but actually if i think about so you know i've, I've met and spoken with people that have you know one buy to let to people that are are have done nine figure uh property developments and i'm so just for clarity over a hundred million pounds being created so i've met the, the spectrum and it's interesting so for example let, let's just take your example there to say i'm gonna have to do all the work well actually as we said with luke who's who's got a team of people around him you don't necessarily have to do those things and you could find the thing that it is you like it so it could be that you are the person that finds the building looks at the building and works with the people to to develop that building into the thing that it's going to be but there could be a project manager or, or whatever it is that manages the other subsets of the skills of the departments of you like of, of the building being uh, that people that are going to br bring that vision into fruition so that's actually quite an interesting point because it, we would get actually if we're thinking on a smaller scale that's how we would think is like okay well then i've got to deal with all of the the trades people and everything else but actually if we're stepping up that's not necessarily the case as within any organization that's grown over time yeah i think that there's always a price for doing that though and you can say yes uh, I, there's there's this bit over there i don't want to do like for example i'm going to i'm going to buy lots of hmos and i'm going to rent them all out but i don't want to deal with any tenants so i'll bring in agents and and that's that's great they take away dealing with the tenants mostly probably i might ask you about that in a moment but um the the main thing they do of course is cost you they'll cost you 10 percent, 12 percent, 15 percent, whatever it might be and that i think makes the the whole business model side of it the financial business model side of that then a bit harder to make work so yes you could do it and and that may well be the the correct approach but it does mean that it, it puts other pressures elsewhere in the business so it's it's a it's a balancing act uh, as with, which, which with is anything. why it comes back to setting the outcome and the intention because if if so again si simon has built a buy to let portfolio of, of of five properties i have a an owned portfolio of around uh, seven properties so several properties but that is uh, i also have a, a rent to rent side of the business which is the same size and so so my objective has always been to recreate the corporate six figure salary that i was on and also to create income for when i'm older in, in relation to a pension now of course that could be done in myriad of ways however i quite f felt that the hmo strategy was much better for quicker cash flow and i also 
could handle and almost enjoy, no, I do enjoy uh, managing that volume of tenants versus the one service accommodation that we've got where the turnover is much, much quicker. So usually two, three nights. If we're lucky, we might get a 30 night. Um, so, so for us, it's about, okay, what do I want to achieve? Okay, so I would like a, a portfolio that is X size. Let's say I want a portfolio that's, that's 3 million pounds, of course. Now, you, you then have to look at what I have available. And again, using the example of recent guests and so on, yeah, I might have cash available, I might have time available, I might have knowledge. Now, Luke started with, with zero cash, a little bit of knowledge, um, but he was able to apply lots of time. And because of that, he was able to bring in other people with knowledge, other people with money to start rolling that out. And once he built that credibility, he went very quickly in, in, in property terms from a few buy to let to now working on a multi-million pound investment. Now, I talked about this on the, po the podcast last week, but for me, originally, I'd have really liked that idea because, of course, multi-million pounds, who wouldn't? But I've seen the truth of it, which is, number one, I, I don't think I'm really geared up for that sort of thing. It is quite a lot of pressure. I also know that the multi-million pounds sounds great, but when it all comes out in the wash, you know, they're, they're bigger sums of money, but not always as big as you might think, not always as the seven figures. So for me, I dialed myself down to say, actually, I, I want to be a bit slower than that. Uh, and actually, I don't want to go on to big... Uh, housing developments and I actually looked at those so I thought actually I just don't think I'd enjoy it and I, I kind of enjoy what I do and of course it has its challenges with everything else and I think that was the the first reality for for me scaling a business is was I had to sit down and say okay if I have to scale a business if I have to grow a business to you know half a million pounds turnover what would I prefer to do and I said actually I've got the model working and I don't I don't dislike it so i'm going to grow it this way because at that time i could have and i had an investor that was happy to invest very high six-figure sums in developments so i could have gone that route or i could have just kept cutting and pasted the buy to let model which had worked for me but with someone else's funds and and worked it through that way so before we even think about strategy it's what do I, what would I like to do and enjoy doing as well as what do I think is possible for me? Yeah, it's, it's all about playing to our strengths, really, isn't it? And, and not, not just sort of saying, well, this is, this is my financial goal. And hence, I will try and brute force my way through, through lots of horrible things to, to achieve it. But also choosing what's right for the individual. And, and there, there are just so many examples of, of how you can get this, this wrong. And it's so quite often you, you don't know in advance as well. So, I mean, it's, it's brilliant to look at a list of all potential property strategies and say, OK, I'd, I'd love to do development, but I don't really want to have to deal with builders every day. So perhaps I won't do that. But there might be other situations where you think it's a, a fantastic idea, a fantastic strategy, but you just don't realize what's involved and and it takes time and experience mostly to work that out i mean we we know someone who um many years ago now was was in property and decided to uh, set up a a letting agency and this is this is not not julia our recent guest who, who set this up with a very very different approach to it 
Um, but this other person set up this, this letting agency and they were running a successful letting agency. From a business point of view, it was working. However, they, they discovered that it, it just wasn't the correct fit for them. It, it, they didn't like running that kind of business. And sometimes you just have to work this out through experience, through trial and error. And I think for lots of people sort of at the at the point of wanting to scale their property business, hopefully they've already tried a few things. They've already got a bit of experience and they've already worked out some of the things that that do work or, or don't work for them as an individual. So I, I think it is important to to consider where you've got to already and bring that into to your, your factoring as where you where you want to go forwards. Yeah. And I think, for example, Stuart, you've you thought that or you have decided uh, uh, for a long time now to be following the HMO route. But but with that comes a lot of things like, for example, maintenance issues, which which you're not not enjoying quite as much. So I, I think when you're looking to now grow, how are you how are you adapting so that you can grow your business without having to to put up with the bits you don't like so much? Yeah, I think it's the first thing I would say is that you don't do it without those things. You 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 have to manage those things. So for me, it's about building a process around it. So to 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 keep our agency costs down, we took the maintenance on. And fortunately, I say fortunately, you know, so I employed someone in, in, in my company. So I have someone that works on pretty much 80% of the time is dealing with the maintenance in the sense of organizing it. And, and, and you know, that itself is a learning, which is, you know, if, if I'm if I really want to build a business, am I happy to employ people? Because again, having managed people throughout my career and managed teams of people, I'm very happy to do that. But not everybody is. So if, if you're in a situation and you say, actually, I want to build this type of business, and I'm going to need a team. Well, you've got a couple of options, which is, okay, you're then going to need to hire someone to manage that team. If that's not you, it's going to have to be somebody else. And so the, why, this is why it always comes back to me, which is, I had to think, and as far out as I could think was about five years. Is it like, okay, in five years time, what would I really like? Well, I want my portfolio to, to be this size. I want it to have this loan to value because I'll be much happier with that. And I want it to be providing this income. And then from where I am today, how, how can I get there? Because I could go the same way as Luke and start speaking with, because we've got enough contacts now to go and find some land. But I'd have, a lot, I'd have a fair amount of learning to do or I'd have to, fa- have to find a fair amount of people. And as I've already said, I'm not sure it, you know, it gets my juices flowing. So that wouldn't be the route for me. Do I like, you know, some people like working on commercial. And I think, as we've already said, some people just think the numbers will make the things happen. So, OK, if someone's now talking about commercial to residential, for example, you know, I'm going to take, a, I'm going to take an office, I'm going to turn it into some flats. Great. But where do you start with that? Uh, and if it's something you think that excites me, then I think you start solving that problem is, OK, well, I'll, I'll go and get into networking groups. There's lots of people that are talking about this online. I'll find the people that do know about this. doesn't always mean spending money, but I can go down. And that is why I think it's so important to set the intention first, because otherwise we end up down the 
hundreds of rabbit holes that exist in property only to come out the other end and go actually i don't i don't really i don't really want to do commercial to residential it's not it's not something that excites me about building a business equally if someone just wants to build a a portfolio that provides a pension provides a legacy then actually for example your your approach could be the right one which is you know you know, tell us about what you've done, Simon, to build your portfolio over the last uh, 20 years. Well, my approach has just been really sort of slow and steady background approach and rolling forward, sort of using salary from other work and refinancing of properties to very, very gradually really build up a portfolio over the course of over 20 years now. And it the, the intention for me was really to have that as a, a, a nest egg, as a, a pension, effectively, for, for the future. And while I do really like property, and I, I find it very interesting, and as I mentioned earlier, particularly sort of older or, or grander, more interesting properties, I, I, I really do enjoy looking at those and, and investigating them. It's not really something I, I expect to do as a, a, a day job, if you like, and property is much more a, a financial um, nest egg, as, as I mentioned, to, to build for the future. And it's just always been a background thing. And, and that I think is, is fine. And there, there have been times when I've thought I would have liked to have grown it faster. And looking back, obviously with the, the benefit of hindsight, there are certain times when I, I could have taken other actions and, and pushed things faster forwards and, and hence ended up with a, a larger nest egg. But it would still, I think, just be a uh, a pension pot really rather than rather than anything more more active for me so uh, as we sort of bring this episode to to an end Stuart of course we do need to answer what what is the best property strategy and of course you know the, the title of this podcast is what's the best strategy and you know we, we are slightly tongue in cheek as, as I hope our regular listeners will know and of course the best strategy will be the one that you choose, <laughs> which is right for you. And but to answer that on a more serious point, of course, and this really kind of drives home to the point that we're talking, each strategy itself can deliver uh, financially what you need. But if, if I were to really and for those that have listened this far, thank you. And just know that whenever we talk about property, we are talking long term here. So I would say a minimum of five years. And we know that so, so Luke is a, is, a, is a great example of someone that's doing things quickly. Um, he's working on his first development, but he, he said that project is going to be at least 14 months. So, so really, by the time he's getting into that development, we don't know how long it's going to take to acquire the land and so on. But the point I want to make is that you know, that could be five to seven years of, of when he first started to getting to where he wants to go and all of the learning that's been undertaken. So anything, any strategy that we think about, I, 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 would, I would strongly urge people to think about it in, a, in the long term. So could I do this for five years? You know, can I? You know, could, if I, you know, if we could use Simon's model of a cut and paste buy to let. You know, at a slower place, we could use my model of, OK, I'm building an HMO portfolio. I'm doing rent to rent. Can I do this every day? Can I handle maintenance calls every day? Can I think about HMO licenses pretty much every day? Can I get calls every every day? Could I do that for five years? If you said that to me five years ago, I'd say I'm not sure. But, you know, and, and that's 
that's what we need to think about. So if I, I build a serviced accommodation business, am I happy to to take the, the the various brain farts that happen from everyone that comes into our property and asks me where the Wi-Fi code is, where the Lewis station is, you know, so every strategy that we know can generate profit and income if it's built properly as a business. And that means also thinking for the longer term. So everything that we've talked about, whether you're going to buy and hold, whether you're going to buy and sell, or even property sourcing will depend on, on those things we talk about, time, knowledge, and funds available. And we know that things like property sourcing is more of a stepping stone. Um, but as you've said, you know, that could be stepping stones, natural progressions into if you're sourcing for an investor, you may find, develop a relationship with that investor and then think about JVs. But that's where I'd start saying, well, OK, now think longer term about what sort of JVs you'd like to do. And if, and if commercial developments is your thing, then Luke's methodology is great because you, you don't want to go straight from you know, a two bed buy to let to converting you know, a, a shopping center into something. And don't get me wrong, I think there's people that have done that, but I, I truly believe that they're outliers. And I think most of us need to develop the, the skills and the, the confidence by doing some of those things. Not all of them, as I say, you can outsource pretty much everything or build a team around you, build partners around you. So I'm going to summarize that and say, in short, every property can deliver on your uh, outcomes in your objectives, uh, your financial objectives, and your personal objectives of what you want to do, I would just suggest that you make sure you pick one that you feel comfortable working with for a long period of time. I do totally, totally agree. And just to finish up, I would like to reflect on how exciting it can be to build a property business that is dealing with HMO licenses on a daily basis. <laughs> please do email your thoughts to us your own best favorite property strategies and maybe let us know how you're planning to grow your property business we are available on show at thebusinessofproperty.com and Stuart and I will talk to you again next week